Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to Paul's letter to the Christians in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3 and in verse 17. And I want to share some thoughts with you this morning about accepting your assignment. And I want to uh, begin, though, by uh, reminding you of what I was trying to share with you last week while we were uh, having uh, struggles with uh, the microphone and going back and forth, trying this one, trying that one. And, and I just don't know if really um, you got the gist of it simply because we have a tendency to watch what's going on and why this isn't working and things like that. But I shared with you last week a burden I had in my heart, and that is that I had discovered that um, in our last election, uh, some 25 million Christians, at least they profess to be Christians, had decided not to vote, not to be involved in it at all. And that broke my heart. I, I think that's a tragedy. And, and here's the reason why. Because I know as followers of Christ, true followers of Christ, we have been given a divine responsibility. And that divine responsibility is that we are to be the salt of the earth and the light to the world. And in other words, we are to make a difference in the culture in which we live, in the communities in which we live, and hopefully have an incredible impact in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the country in which we live. Now, I understand and I accept the, the reality that probably of those estimated 25 million Christians, um, probably all of them would not vote the way I voted. Now, if they had the convictions that I have <laughs> and uh, that is based on the truth of the Word of God, then most likely they would vote exactly the way I voted. But what really touched my heart was to consider the reality that because of their being irresponsible in the divine responsibility they have, then if the Lord doesn't come back soon, the impact of that is going to go from generation to generation for the future of the United States of America. So in my heart, I feel like we've got to change this trend uh, that is taking place among those who quote unquote profess to be followers of Christ because this is a very significant spiritual responsibility that we have. And so in light of that, uh, you have to start where you are. So we start right here. We start with ourselves and we start in the sphere in which we can have an impact. And so as I thought of these things, I I thought of this, this verse here in Colossians chapter 3 and uh, in verse 17 because I was thinking, you know, sometimes we just have to get back to the basics. You know, in, in uh, the sports part of my life as I was growing up, there were times, whether it was at Woodmont High School or University of South Carolina, where the coaches would come in and say, now today or maybe this week, we're going back to the basics. We got to get back to the basics so that we can be doing the things 
that we should be doing and doing it correctly. So as I thought about that, what are the basics? What does that mean for us in light of this spiritual responsibility we have to be the salt of the earth and a light unto the world? And so in chapter 3, as Paul is writing to the Christians in Colossia, he, he simply says this in verse 17. He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything. And I want you to underline that word, uh, word everything. It's going to be key. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, I'm going to unfold that verse a little bit deeper later on. But I want to begin with that word everything because I want you to know it applies to everyone. And so three things I want to draw your attention to. I hope to, for those who may not know, I'll reveal something today. For those, and I think it's most of you here already know, maybe I'm reminding you and reinforcing that back into your heart and hopefully back into your life if it's not already there. And that is this, first of all, in these three things, number one, we are all created to serve. It's the reason you exist. It's the reason I exist. It's the reason you have life. I have life. The reason that God wrote our names down in his book of life that we would have life. He already knew our name. He already knew our life. And he created us for the purpose to serve specifically to serve him. And that's true of everyone who has ever been. And it began with the first man, began with Adam himself. So, uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1 for just a moment. Genesis chapter 1, and look with me in verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and this is the creation uh, of man and what God said. So listen to this. Uh, it says, then God said, let us make mankind. Some translations simply have uh, man here. But uh, it, it's the word that is used to refer to all of mankind. So then God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. Here's what I want you to see. God created man with a purpose. He didn't just create man and say, well, I think we'd like to have man and then think we'd like to have woman. There was a purpose behind it. In other words, he gave them, he gave Adam and ultimately all of us a, a responsibility, a personal responsibility. And for Adam and for the rest of us, if they hadn't had a fall in the Garden of Eden, was to take care of this part of his creation, the world. And he says, I, I created Adam, I wanted him, I gave him purpose. I, this was my will for his life. So here's what I want you to understand with me. As we think about the will of God for our lives, so many people, I've been pastoring for 41 years now, and I can, so many people have asked me, I'm just trying to find God's purpose for my life. I said, look, I can tell you what it is. It's a broad stroke, but I can tell you what it is. You are here to serve him. Adam served God by fulfilling the responsibility that was given to him by God. And so I can say in a broad stroke for everyone, those who are not saved, those who are saved, those who 
I have not received Christ yet as Lord and Savior. Those who have, listen to me carefully, you're here for this one purpose, and that is to serve the Lord God of heaven and earth. That's his will for your life. A lot of times we talk about the will of God, um, we, we try to put it in a little box. And so that we can kind of get it down to a single thing. You know, someone might say, well, God's will for your life is for you to be a pastor. Well, that's just part of it. Because God's will for our life is so multifaceted. It is so incredibly creative. Because as we, we discussed this several weeks ago, that every day God has a will for your life. There's something that could happen this very day. It may be that he just wants you to live for him today uh, in a way that is pleasing to him, but he may have a divine appointment for you today, and all of a sudden you're going to have face-to-face with somebody or some situation, and God says, this is for you. This is my will for you. And so in every relationship, God has a will for us. In every aspect and facet of life, God has a will. So it's multifaceted. But when you put it all together... It comes down to this. You are here. You exist in your daily life, in the desires of your life, uh, in the divine appointments of life. You are here to serve the Lord God of heaven and earth. Now, it begins, we really begin to understand this when we first accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. So turn with me to Ephesians in the New Testament. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and in verse 10, as Paul is writing to the believers there in, in Ephesus, he says this in verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship. As you know, each and every one of us are unique in and of ourselves. You got the personality God has given you. You got the gifts. You got the talents. All of what makes you you, God put all of that together. It says, for for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. What are those good works? The good works in the broad stroke is you're serving the Lord God of heaven and earth. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, what I want you to see is the context of those words he just wrote that we just read. If you go back verses 8 and 9, here's what it says. You've heard me quote these many times. You have read these two verses many times. So you know exactly what it means. For by grace... You have been saved through faith, and this is not yourself, this is not of yourselves, this is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no man may boast. What's he talking about? Our salvation. He's talking about coming to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. How does that happen? By the grace of God, through faith in what Christ has done for us on the cross of his death, burial, and resurrection. And then in verse 10 he says, so that. In other words, here's the purpose. This is all part of your salvation. So that, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which have God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. So what I want you to see here is that we are created 
for the very purpose to serve the Lord God of heaven and earth. And until, and this is crucial, listen to this, until we not only wrap our minds around that, but we embrace it with our heart, most of our lives we're just wandering around. We're not experiencing, we're not knowing, we're not discovering all that is part of what God had in store for us in serving Him in our life here on this earth. So we're all created to serve, that is serve the Lord God of heaven and earth. Now notice the second thing as we build these blocks together. Not only are we created to serve him or were created to serve him, we are all called as followers of Christ to serve the Lord our God. So look at a couple of passages of scripture here with me. First Peter chapter 2 and in verse 9. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and uh, just listen to what Peter says here. He says, but you are a chosen people, talking to followers of Christ. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Oh, if I had the time to just unfold this, just everything that is said in those words right there. Maybe by the, by the direction of the Lord, we'll get to that one day. But for today, I want us to look at what follows. You see the so that, that is coming. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Watch this. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you. In other words, here's our calling to exalt, to glorify the Lord God before this world. The same God that opened up my heart and opened up my eyes, that I can understand who he was, what he did for me, where I then, by his grace through faith, receiving me as Lord and Savior, I have I have a divine spiritual responsibility. I have a calling to exalt him and to glorify him in this world. Now, you may say, oh, doesn't the scripture say we're not to be of this world? Well, yes. What that means is we're not to allow the world to mold us into its form, into its godless, rebellious form style of living. No, we're not to be of this world, but we are in this world and we have a divine responsibility, brothers and sisters in Christ, where in everything to exalt and glorify him. So what glorifies our eternal God and Father in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus himself explains that to us in John chapter 15. 
So, let's look at it. John chapter 15. And this is, of course, the chapter where he's describing our connection with him. He's the vine. We're the branches. It's the Holy Spirit of God, like the sap in a vineyard flowing from the vine to the branches that produces fruit. So here's what he says, John chapter 15, and look with me in verse 8. He says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Now we know that we are to exalt him. We know that that uh, the reason, one of the reasons why we're here, the purpose of our life is that in everything, in every facet, in every part of our lives, we are to exalt him, we're to glorify him. And Jesus says, this is what glorifies the eternal God and Father in heaven, you bearing fruit in my name. Well, what fruit is he talking about? Well, it's the fruit of helping others discover and experience that same life-changing grace and love and power in their life that we've experienced in our lives. That's part of being the salt of the earth and the light into the world. So we exalt him, we glorify him. In fact, he does say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your good works shine, let it be seen so it will glorify your Father in heaven. And then he says this in verse 16 of chapter 15 of the Gospel of John. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. Bear fruit. So, as we think about this accepting our assignment. And our assignment is to serve the Lord our God. And the purpose of serving him ultimately is to exalt him and glorify him. So we are created to serve him. We are called to serve him to get us to this point. We are commanded to serve him. We are commanded to serve him. So let's go back to our original verse. Paul's letter to the Christians in Colossia chapter 3, verse 17. Let's dissect this. He begins by saying, whatever. <laughs> That's pretty all-inclusive, would you not say? <laughs> whatever. Not in some things, in a few things, but whatever we or you do in word or in deed, do everything, everything, no exceptions here, not just, listen, not just the spiritual things. 
You see, here's the problem we have, and I think it is it is permeated into the minds and hearts of church-going people all across the land, maybe across the world. So many of us make the mistake of dividing our life. And it's exactly what the world wants us to do, divide our life between the secular and the spiritual or the sacred. So right now, we're together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's had a wonderful time of praise and worship and exalting our Lord and exalting our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we're into his word. And so these are sacred. This is a sacred part of our lives. And, and maybe if you were in Sunday school, you were in Bible say a sacred part of your life. You get up in the morning and, and you, uh, you have your devotion time, then, then that's a sacred time for you. But then the rest of it, well, that's just, that's the secular part. You, you're just living, it's part of living life, right? You got your daily responsibilities and, and all of those things. And so we in our minds and our hearts divide our lives. But what the Lord wants us to understand, we don't, we, we're not dividing you're a child of God. Are you listening? Say amen. Every part of your life is sacred. That's why I said in whatever. That's why I said in everything, not some things, not just the spiritual things, but in everything, every facet of your life. You say it, you do it. In the name of Jesus. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it involves attitude. So let's just talk about that for a moment. Your attitude towards how you live your life. What's your attitude? He is saying that our attitude is that we are to consciously let me say that again, consciously, which means intentionally. It means you're thinking about it. It's at the forefront of your mind every day, wherever you go, whatever you say, whatever you do, you are consciously serving the Lord your God and seeking to exalt him in everything you're doing in every conversation you have. Now, listen, listen, that doesn't, <coughs> that doesn't mean you walk around, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hi. No. Not bad way to have moments like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, when God is good and he's stupid, yeah, yeah, there's a time where you just said, hey, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I get that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we are consciously and intentionally in the way we carry out our conversation, what we say and how we say it. What we do and how we do it. Whether it's our daily responsibility, whatever your vocation is, where you are. Every aspect, when it says everything we do in the name of Jesus, it starts with this attitude that 
I want to make sure that what I say and how I say it, what I do and how I do it is going to exalt. And it's going to glorify my Lord. That's called being salt. That's called being light. It's what Scripture says, sowing seeds. You're sowing seeds for the kingdom. And then the Holy Spirit of God takes those seeds and he begins to water them and he begins to cultivate them. Guess what? He brings fruit from it. So it all begins with attitude. If your attitude is I have my sacred and I have my secular, you're going to miss a whole lot. You're going to miss so much. And you're not going to be fulfilling the divine spiritual responsibility to be the salt of the earth and the light to the world. Whether it's being a citizen and fulfilling that role we're talking about, or whatever it may be. So it starts with attitude, which means attitude then leans into our approach to everything we do. So what do you mean by that? Well, let me give you just, just, a, just a short scenario here, and that is this. My approach is this. I am to do it in the name of Jesus. What does that mean? Number one, with his approval. That's with his approval. In other words, he assigned his name to it. Some of you work in places where uh, you have responsibilities, but some of those responsibilities is you got to get someone else's approval, right? Someone else's approval, they sign off on it and you do it. Maybe you're one of those who have to sign off and give them permission to do it. Yes, I am, I give you approval to that. Sometimes that happens, uh, for instance, in a football game. And you have uh, an offensive coordinator, and he's calling plays from up in the booth or wherever, and, and sometimes he'll make a call, and he'll say to the head coach, are you good with this? And that head coach says, yes, what did he, what did he just do? He gave his approval, all right? So what we're talking about with his approval is uh, in the conversation I am having, what I'm saying and how I'm saying it, would Jesus sign his name to that? what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, would Jesus sign his name to that? Because if, you, if he's willing to sign his name to it, you have his approval. Here's the important part. You're doing it in his name. You have his approval. Then what comes with his approval but his authority? If he approves it, then you have his authority. What authority does he have? Well, the scripture says he's got all authority, all authority in heaven and the earth. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. So you have his blessing. It means your hand of favor will be upon you. Now, as the thing begins to unfold, you begin to see what God is doing because you're just here to exalt and to glorify him, to sow seeds of the glory and the greatness and the grace of God in the ways that you speak and the way that you live. So he signs his name with his approval. You receive his authority. And when his authority is in action, being blessing and favor, ultimately he's the one who gets the acclaim.
ultimately he's the one who has exalted and glorified. You see how this works? But as long as we divide our lives out between the secular and the sacred, we're going to miss so much of the very purpose in which you're here on this earth having life because he's to be a part of all your daily activities, the desires of your life, and he has all these incredible divine appointments out there for you, and you're just all wrapped up in the other stuff of this world. As a result, this world moves forward this rebellious spirit moves forward, and we're seeing it today in our country, in our communities, in our culture, because we're not fulfilling our spiritual responsibility to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. So my question to you is this. Have you accepted your assignment in your life. You're a follower of Christ. You have a God-given responsibility. Have you up to this point truly accepted that assignment where you are? Or have you, like I have in my past, been irresponsible because there were things I wanted to live my life my way no thank you God attitude I think you understand what I mean by that so I want to give you the chance today would you just close your eyes bow your head in spirit of prayer Sometimes the hardest thing to do in a, in a group setting is to remove from your mind that all these other people are here. But as best you can, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, do that right now. Whether you're a child who understands this word, a teenager that is grasping what I'm trying to share or is an adult, and you're thinking about whether or not, first of all, listen, do you know him? Do, do you have a personal relationship? I don't, I don't mean know about him. I mean, oh, so many people know about him. They just don't know him because they never have received him as their personal Lord and Savior. Then, then my challenge, my call, my encouragement to you is let today be the day of salvation for you. And receiving Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm here to help you with that. But then secondly, where are you? Be open, be honest, be transparent with yourself. Don't do a public relationship job on your heart, your mind. Where are you? 
and accepting the assignment to serve the Lord your God, to exalt Him in every aspect of your life. Let God handle the rest of it. We just have to fulfill our responsibility. So if you feel like you need to come and maybe reestablish the purpose of your life the way it should be, then this is the time to do that. This altar is open, wide open. If you need me, I'm here, but you just come. Maybe you realize you need to change your attitude, change your approach. You want Jesus to be able to put his name down on what you're saying. 